You are listening to the KPMG Insurance Insights 360 podcast. I'm your host, Sierra Nicholson. I'm joined in the studio now by John Gimigliano, KPMG tax partner. Welcome, John. Thanks, Sierra. Nice to be here. We are so happy to have you with us talking about one of the more exciting topics of the conference which is how the U.S. has just recently experienced the biggest tax reform in our history. And I think a lot of people are wondering, we finally got on the other side of it. Are we done now? Well, first of all, I'd like to commend you for your wisdom on saying tax was the most exciting part of the <laughs> conference. Not a lot of people get that. So Big uh, fan, big right. fan. Okay. Uh, we did just have this enormous tax law passed, you know, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. Um, nearly a $10 trillion bill, probably the largest bill in, in the history of the world in terms of its aggregate size, over $5.5 trillion in tax cuts, more than $4 trillion in new tax increases. It's enormous. It was many years in coming, and in a lot of ways it completely changed uh, the U.S. landscape. Okay, so this big thing has happened. What's next? Well, it's, that's the question. That's the question I get every day. Uh, because it's easy to think, well, it took the U.S. 30 years to do tax reform since the last time it happened back in 1986, so we're good for 30 years, right? Uh, and the answer is probably not. I think um, it's not to say that this is going to be overturned tomorrow or change dramatically tomorrow, but there are forces, I think, on the new U.S. system. Those are both internal forces sort of within inside the U.S., external forces from outside the U.S. that are pushing on this new system that I think are at some point going to lead to, lead to some additional changes um, in ways that may be huge or, but in some ways, at least noticeable. Okay. You know, we had uh, Ed Chanda in the studio with us yesterday, and he actually brought up uh, the tax reform topic. And um, one thing that he was talking about in that context was um, that how changing business models have led to this situation where countries are not realizing all of the tax revenue that they historically have and that they're having to now evolve, right, their tax laws to be able to collect that. Um, and so I think is that one of the external forces that kind of you're talking about? Right. You are singing the OECD's tune uh, with that. <laughs> and it's really this question of the, 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 the economy is changing, the way people do business are changing with the increasing digitization, I think that's the word, of uh, the sure. way we do business. And that's really what, in addition to a number of things that the OECD has been working on, but that is sort of the topic of the hour, which is what do we do about taxing digital businesses? And once upon a time, naively, way back, you know, a year ago, we thought this was really just about a few big digital companies but I think, at least for me, the more I understand the issue, and I think for a lot of people thinking about the issue, the more you understand it, the more you realize that it's not just the big digital companies that we can all think of big names, but it's really because the, our economy is becoming more digital that we recognize, and I think the OECD recognizes, that if they are going to do work about how to tax this digital income, wherever it may be taxed, and it's much harder to figure that out. You know, It was mo easy once upon a time where you said, there's a factory here, you know, there's a distribution center there. We knew how to tax it. When it's just digital, this is such a complex issue that the OECDs come to the realization that it can't just be about a few companies, that increasingly, whether it's five or ten years from now, we're going to be working in a digital economy, and it's going to be much harder to, to determine where to tax that income. So that's all a long way of coming back to your question and saying this is clearly one of the external pressures on the new U.S. system is that because 
the world around the new U.S. system is changing quickly. The system of taxation is going to change around it as well. And if the rest of the world is taxing income in a different way, the U.S. may feel compelled to change as well. Got it. So we are at the insurance industry conference. So let's talk a little bit about industry-specific um, perspective. Um, how do you see some of these changes impacting the insurance industry? Well, to me, the best way to think about um, how the insurance industry will be impacted by these changes you know, that are happening on the system um, will be to think about how, those how the original major law change came together itself. And the big picture for, on the business side of this new tax law, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, was that the corporate rate was reduced substantially. You know, the U.S. had among the highest statutory tax, corporate tax rates in the world at 35%. Now we're all the way down to 21. Okay, great. Um, that's good for businesses. But the way they did that, and the Congress did it, was they paid for the majority of that increase by raising taxes elsewhere. And the insurance industry, maybe more than any other industry, uh, contributed to paying for that by very specific provisions that raise taxes on insurance companies. And in Congress's view, that's fair. You know, we're going to lower the rate to 21% and you're going to pay for pieces of it through these specific provisions. Well, that's all great. Um, and maybe that's a fair trade-off or maybe not. And we'll, people will debate that for years. But here's the reality. If Congress turns around and raises the corporate rate saying, oh, you know, this new 21% rate is too low. It should be 28. It should be 35. What about all those tax increases that the insurance industry gave along the way to get the lower rate? Are they going to turn around and say, well, to be fair to the insurance industry, we should undo those? Maybe, um, but I'm not sure that's exactly what Congress will have in mind. And so this is what we call a whipsaw in the tax world where they could, the insurance industry could find themselves with these new tax increases and have this higher rate right back to where they started or near it and in the end have higher taxes than where they started. And that's, to me, the big thing, I think, for the industry to think about and really to be vigilant on, and that includes working within Washington to make sure that policymakers, you know, the world that I live in, are thinking hard about that. Yeah. And what kind of timing do you think we're looking at for some of these potential impacts? Well, here's the reality. And look, you know, um, politics are, are, are a reality of our world and a reality, certainly a reality of my world, working in Washington, Washington doing tax policy. Um, and so we have to think about um, what scenario of politics would lead to major changes to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. To me, the scenario where you get the most dramatic changes, you know, real substantial undoing of pieces of the TCJA, are where after the 2020 election, the Democrats control um, Congress. And the reason I say that is because it's no secret that the Tax, Cut Job, Tax Cuts and Jobs Act was a partisan bill. No Democrats voted for it. Um, um, they have said they didn't like it at the time. They've said they haven't. They don't like it since. And so the likelihood that it's going to get major changes is this one where we, we are in a world where the Democrats control the House, the Senate, and the White House. So with that in mind, so imagine that scenario. When does that happen? Well, we don't have a new president sworn in until January of 2021 at the soonest. Uh, we, you would have a Democratic president. Um, let's say you had a Democratic Congress sworn in in that January as well. It's going to take some time to write a new law. Right? It won't happen overnight. So let's just say it takes a year to do major overhaul of the law. Well, that new law probably won't be, almost certainly won't be retroactively effective. It's probably prospectively effective. So when you work all that out on the calendar, which I've done, we're probably talking January of 2023 at the soonest. 
And that's really a best case scenario for them to get it done that quickly. We're probably, in my mind, more likely a 2024 timeframe as the soonest we would see major changes come through with the new law. All right. So we've talked about some of the external forces that are putting pressure on the U.S. system. What's coming from the inside? What are the internal forces that we're dealing with? Right. So, you know, we've got this double pressure on this new tax system. One of the, the, what's happening in the OECD, really interesting stuff going on there outside the U.S., harder to control inside the U.S., though. I mean, this is there, there are, of course, politics pushing on the new law. It was a, you know, the Democrats have made it no secret that they don't like it and they want to change it in a number of ways. And they've talked about them. Probably um, the the most obvious way that they would like to change it on the business side is to raise the corporate rate. Many feel the 21% is too low and the corporate rate should be higher and that they should take that money and use it for individuals, you know, middle class or lower income individuals. Um, and that's almost certainly going to be a pressure on the system if the Democrats get control of, of the government and have an opportunity to change the law. So politics are always an important pressure on, on the system. And then the other one internally is budgetary. You know, it's, again, um, the, the, the new tax law added a trillion and a half dollars to the deficit. That's been highly criticized really on both sides of the aisle. Um, we've got other budgetary pressures uh, in the U.S. Um, you've got pressure on Social Security and other things over the long term. So at some point, I do believe there will be a reckoning on the budgetary side. And that is, well, you know, one of the obvious ways to solve that is to find new tax revenue. And that can put pressure on the system internally as well. All right. So, um, you know, we're talking about 2020 and beyond from a tax perspective. Let's think forward to you being back here at this conference in three years. What kind of themes do you think you're talking about then? Wow. Me? What am I thinking about? Well, let's see. 23 years from now will take us into 2022. Mm -hmm. We will have, we'll be either be in the second term of the Trump administration, mm -hmm. or we will be in the middle of the first term of the whoever administration. Um, and almost certainly we'll be talking about in that second scenario who what this new president's tax plans are going to be um, and I think we'll be talking a lot about the potential changes if we're talking about the second term of the Trump administration I still think we are talking about ways to um, tinker with the tax system to make it more effective you know the one thing you learn about the tax law is it's never done mm. right? it's always in a state of evolution to something else so even in that scenario where we have continuing control from republicans on, in washington we'll still be evolving to something else i'm pretty sure i'll be talking about that john it's been so great talking to you today thanks for joining us and we'll see you again soon great thanks. To it. thanks bye You have been listening to the KPMG Insurance Insights 360 podcast. For more insights, visit listen.kpmg.us slash insurance insights 360.